0: Episode number one Agency slash Community Profile. The Family Justice Center is actually a private partnership um, which provides education and different types of services to victims of sexual assault, domestic violence, and elder abuse. And the goals stated in the operations manual are to provide seamless, comprehensive and coordinated victim slash survivor centered services in a single location, make available to victims survivors, a spectrum of services and programs, which offer a pathway to long term healing for victims survivors and their children and hold the offender accountable through effective prosecution and appropriate conviction of perpetrators. So these goals we have put in place to positively impact our clients and in hopes of them um, having a better life free of violence in the future. In regards to funding and resources, I was I interviewed um, a couple months ago Olivia, who's the Client Services Coordinator at Family Justice Center, and she was explaining to me that the money comes from the Government Crime Commission, and they make reports based on grants through the Victims of Crime Act and Violence Against Women Act. And she was explaining to me that FJC's main sources of funding come from public funding, federal grants, and limited fundraising and donations. And we, as um, an organization, face certain challenges, um, which includes making sure to keep up with their reports so the government will keep giving them the money, and also, grant money cannot be guaranteed. Um, and we've also had a hard time because we haven't had a director um, for a long time, and Sky, who's the director now, came in just about four, five months ago. Um, but she has been. A huge huge asset and she realized initially that we um, had all these grant funds that hadn't been spent and this was because we had all these empty positions and projects and so now now that she's come in we've had the opportunity to um, download this awesome system for forensic interviewing um we've had complete renovations of our office spaces um to set you know to make clients feel comfortable when they come in it's very calming we have um stress relief toys for the victims to play with um we have sound machines it just it's a lot more of a um, better environment for them than it used to be, which has been really awesome. As an agency, we really want to provide more long-term support for clients, and that includes crisis intervention, Um, We are really, really great on being super accommodating for victims and helping them to the best of their ability and referring them to different agencies, helping them, you know, during crisis and bringing them that sense of uh, relief and comfort to there are children and families, but mental health care is a top priority to us. And we're really working towards getting a therapist, which would be huge because if we had a therapist, then it would support, increase the support of the business and clients could, benefit from having multiple services at our agency and it would just really up our goals. To kind of set the community profile, we as an agency, address our issues in the interactions and interventions through the empowerment model. Empowerment is huge. It's huge. The clients have the right to make their own decisions. We do not make decisions for them, Um, is there. We provide the help and the resources and it's up to them whether they would like to follow through with what we are providing to them. All we want is them to be happy and do what they think is best. And we hold that really close and it is very important. Um, We just have to respect them and respect their decisions, even though they might not be the best. Um, I've had many experiences where clients have come in and they, well, actually in court, I had an experience where this client of mine who I'd already seen, um, already did an intake with who wanted to file for a fifty B against someone. He went through the whole process and I was with him in court and he had all this anxiety and he wanted to dismiss it and so I went through the dismissal process with him and it was up to him and you know we I I had to go through with it and his girlfriend was really upset with him and it was this whole thing, but obviously I couldn't tell him that he shouldn't dismiss it and that her, his abuser will still keep on. Um, he just thought that was what was best for him. And again, we have to respect it. Episode number two, agency member interview. Next, I will be asking Angel, who is the victim liaison of the sheriff's office and who also works through the Family Justice Center, some questions about our agency to go more in detail. Okay, so describe your organization, its goals, activities, and structure how many employees are in the organization, um, what are their positions, and provide any additional relevant information.
1: Okay. Um, so the Family Justice Center of Elements County um, is a multidisciplinary community agency which works with survivors of interpersonal violence and exploitation. The reason why I say exploitation is because we work with the elderly population as well, and sometimes their abuse is not necessarily violence, but it can be like, Uh, They're being coerced financially or being taken advantage of by a family member or loved one. Um, The goals of the agency is to establish safety measures to protect victims of violence from their alleged abusers. Um, We have different activities because we have different departments within the FJC. Um, So within our agency and some of our partners, it includes the Family Abuse Services of Alamance County, which is for victims of domestic violence. Um, Burlington Police Department, um, Adamant County Sheriff's Office uh, Special Victims Unit, uh, Legal Aid, which is like they help with filing for 50Bs, um, and housing and fair housing services, uh, Elon Law Services for Divorce and Custody. We sometimes have the district attorney's office join us because of the whole COVID, COVID situation, they haven't been able to Come in house, but in the future they'll come back into the FJC and provide uh, their services here as well. Um, we do have child protective services here as well, um, Women's Resource Center, financial services representatives from um, the Department of Social Services, which they help with Medicaid, supplemental nutrition assistance program, work first, and things like that. So she's kind of more of like helping you with self sufficiency if you are a victim of uh, violent crime. Uh, we have EnviroSafe, which is for assessing lethality and advanced safety planning. And we also have the Elderly Justice, justice Services, which we just established a few months ago. Um, the structure of the Family Justice Center is pretty much like the example that was given to me. is It's like a mall. You have the mall director which makes sure that all the stores inside of the mall are working accordingly so pretty much we have sky sullivan who is the director of the family justice center and her job is to make sure that everybody within the family justice center is working accordingly with each other um, she ensures that things are running smoothly and that we are able to collaborate well with each other um, and then you have all the different departments within here um, So as far as employees, how many employees we have, because this is a partnership agency, we have a lot of different employees. Um, We have like 10 core employees that work directly for the FJC, but then with all the partnerships, including Family Abuse Services, uh, Child Protective Services, Department of Social Services, uh, all of the law enforcement agencies that are collaborating with us, we do have an extended partnership and many people under us. Um, what else, let's see, uh, so our mission, vision, and statement right now is kind of being updated. We have had many different meetings recently regarding what it is that we truly stand for because of the fact that the Family Justice Center has progressed so much and has evolved so much uh, since it starting. Um, so in the last 10 years since we established this Family Justice Center, we have been able to grow a lot more than what we initially started with and establish a lot more partnerships. So our mission, mission uh, and goals have been getting adapted to all these changes. But currently, the, the mission that we have in place, uh, it, it reads as follows. The Family Justice Center is a public-private partnership of agencies dedicated to ending domestic violence, child abuse, sex assault, stalking, human trafficking, and elder elder abuse through prevention, education, and coordinated responses of comprehensive, client-centered empowerment services organized in a single single location. So one of the things that we discussed in one of our meetings um, regarding our mission is that we wanted to make it a little bit more simple and more straight to the point and a little bit broader, so that involves victims of interpersonal violence, and the population that we serve is pretty much any victims of crimes, of violent crimes. So that would be like domestic violence, human trafficking, elderly abuse, interpersonal violence.
0: off of what angel said the family justice center serves victims locally in alamance county also in other as well as other counties too who are experiencing some type of uh, domestic violence um and then common issues faced by our population are you know safety financial mental instability issues In regards to mental issues, there's people who come into our agency that have um, mental illnesses such as schizophrenia, um, depression, anxiety, and actually on the the reception form before um, we have the potential client. They have to check off whether they have a a disability or not. So, And if they do, that just gives us a better idea of how to best uh, serve them. Um, As stated in an article titled, The Domestic Violence, the Hidden Epidemic Associated with Mental Illness, domestic violence is a common hidden problem for women attending clinical practice and is a major cause of mental ill health verbally. And it also says from the limited studies, It would appear that the vast majority of people with severe mental illness have experienced either physical or sexual assault during their lifetime, and this is often associated with history of childhood abuse and substance misuse. In regard to safety, obviously the people experiencing domestic violence are not in a safe environment, such as still living with the abuser, the abuser knowing where they live, and constantly going by their house and stalking them. So our top priority at Family Justice Center is just making sure the um, victim feels safe and comfortable and um, just give our best help that we can give them um that could be an advocate could help them with safety planning um filing for a 50b if that's what they're interested in um but again going off of that self-determination's a huge thing in our agency and we would never force something on a client that they didn't want to do so it's just ultimately up to them but it just we just provide them with the adequate resources and I found an article titled ensuring domestic violence survivor safety and COVID has caused a massive um, spike in domestic violence cases it says that As the United States continues to grapple with the devastating fallout of the coronavirus pandemic from deaths, job loss, evictions, and so much more, there has been a huge surge of domestic violence. Stay-at-home orders, essential to slowing the spread of the virus, coupled with the economic and health stressors caused by the pandemic, have forced DV survivors already at risk of domestic abuse into even more vulnerable and dangerous positions. And then it also mentions... In this article, that the current crisis of DV shines a spotlight on the overriding um, inadequacies of the very systems intended to support survivors and to prevent or mitigate DV itself. An improved system of survivor supports would ensure DV victims and shelters receive sufficient funding and are deemed essential businesses during the pandemic and any future crisis. So, I just wanted to bring COVID into the picture because it has affected everyone's lives um but in regards to funding you know our organization um has gotten a lot of grant money which has been awesome but the funds for certain shelters that we're partnered with um is huge because if needed we want to refer clients to the best agencies possible to get the help they need Finally, going off of COVID and the safety issues, that brings in the picture uh, financial issues faced by our population. So many clients who come in and experience some type of domestic violence are under a lot of financial struggles. For instance, I had a client who um, was fleeing a domestic violence relationship and all she needed was shelter. She needed a place to stay. She was, she, um, took a bus from New York to North Carolina and she was just like, I just need shelter. And I just got away and that's all I need. So she would then speak with an advocate and figure out proper shelter. I also had another client who came in and due to financial struggles, she, her landlord had to or uh, turn off her um, water, so she didn't have running water, and she came here and talked to us about that. And so we intervened and figured out a plan to hopefully get her water turned back on for her. Um, but as you can see, you know, these are the most basic needs for people and without them, they can't live properly, and it's it affects their health, it affects everything, and it's already being addressed, but that just brings into the picture the, you know, huge social problem of domestic violence. Now Angel is going to be talking about the strategies and interventions used at the agency, and then go into information on the marginalized groups. Discuss the strategies slash interventions used at the agency. So pretty much um, advocates here serve as
2: support for victims who are undergoing traumatic stress. So we use the concept of ACEs, um, the study of ACEs, Um, to promote understanding that most resilient individuals had a positive support in their lives. So by being advocates, their whole role is to make sure that the victims have the support that they need, the resources that they need, um, and feel validated and understood. So I feel like that our greatest intervention is pretty much serving as a support for the victims who come in.
0: Okay. What are some strengths and protective factors that you have identified among your clients?
2: So um, a lot of the victims who come to the Family Justice Center, they have resiliency. Um, Oftentimes, they're cooperative. They want to, you know, seek services and get the help that they need in order to be able to establish their safety. So their willingness um, and their ability to kind of seek out help, um, even just that, just taking that first step of seeking out help speaks uh, significant about their um, protective factors.
0: Perfect okay so now we're going to go into diversity so to start off what social issues affects marginalized clients
2: um since the fcc works with all victims of violent crimes the population that we serve is like very diverse uh we work with individuals with all types of socioeconomic backgrounds races genders and ages um an issue that is most like seen or predominant um, here is pretty much gender violence, in the which women are often the ones that are seen as victims and men as the abusers. As such, domestic violence and offender accountability are issues that affect the marginalized populations here.
0: All right. And then, discuss what efforts the agency is engaged to reduce the social problem for a marginalized group. Okay, so the efforts our agency is making to help reduce uh,
2: social problems for marginalized groups is helping eliminate barriers for victims of crime. Many of uh, our practices are empowerment-based. Therefore, our goals are to ensure that the victims have their physiological needs are met and also helping them find safety. According to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, in order for a person to reach self-actualization, their most basic needs have to be met, like you know, shelter, food, um, um, these things have to be put in place. It's really hard to focus on safety when you don't really know what you're going to be eating the next day. So we make sure that our victims are provided with the resources and linked to the proper community services to make sure that those needs are met And at the same time, we also work in trying to establish their safety um, all along while empowering the victim and helping them uh, become resilient.
0: And lastly, what would you think would make this group vulnerable?
2: So a victim of crime can be anybody. So I don't think that there's any, like, particular thing that makes uh, specific groups vulnerable. Um, It could be the richest person or the poorest person. Uh, It could be any gender, any age. Anybody can be a victim of a crime at any time. So I don't think that there's any specific uh, details that will make that, you know, population more vulnerable than others. Angel
0: did a great kind of overview of the marginalized clients population but I also wanted to to give a definition of marginalized groups so stated on the European Institute for Gender Equality website it says that marginalized groups Mean belonging to such groups or even being perceived to belong to them heightens the risk of inequalities in terms of access to rights and use of services and goods in a variety of domains, such as access to education, employment, health, social and housing assistance, protection against domestic or institutional violence, and justice. Off of what Angel discussed about the strategy slash interventions used at the agency, yes, the advocates serve as a serve as a support system for victims um, undergoing traumatic stress. Um, they give them resources they need, and they serve, you know, as a support for victims as they come in in crisis. Um, certain theories that relate is the micro theory which focuses on small groups and individuals and interactions between them so again this is like the advocates and the client services coordinator who assesses the victims and also the crisis intervention model which is used for clients who are experiencing crisis and trauma and the stages of the model is one take a psychosocial and lethality assessment, two, rapidly establish report, three, identify the major crisis and causes, four, enable the client to express their feelings and emotions, five, generate and explore safe alternatives for coping, six, create an action plan, and seven, follow up after the intervention. So I've been able to see this hands-on with Olivia, who's the client services coordinator. She always follows up with the clients after she sees them and I've actually done safety planning with the client um which is also what the advocates do at our agency and to also add to that it's really important um The part, the enabling the client to express their feelings and emotions within the model is so, so important because we want to make sure each client who comes in, they feel heard, they feel valid because they might um, be opening up for the first time about their traumatic situation and it's really hard for them. So I, when I normally see clients, I'm normally like, we're really glad you're here today. Um, thanks for coming in. I know this must be really hard for you, but you're really brave and strong for doing this. Uh, it just makes them feel, feel a lot better and feel very um, important. Episode number three, social issue and policy analysis. Okay, so to start off, I will go into the affected population um, of our agency. So it says, I found that in Alamance County, North Carolina, the population estimate is 169,509 as of July 1st, 2019. Uh, It also says, in regard to demographics in Alamance County, stated stated in the United States Census Bureau, Persons under 5 years is 5.9%, persons under 18 years is 22%, persons 65 years and over is 17.1%, and female persons is 52.5%. And also for race and Hispanic origin, white alone is 73.6%, black or African American alone is 20.9%, American Indian and Alaska Alaska Native alone is 1.5%. Asian alone is 1.7%, Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander alone is 0.1%, and Hispanic or Latino is 13.1%. Now, going into significant events related to the social issues, so earlier I kind of stated that, you know there's a social issue of domestic violence. Um, But within our agency, I would have to say homelessness, economic deprivation, and alcohol slash drug abuse are um, huge social problems. Just to give an example, as I mentioned previously, there was a lady who came in with her three children seeking shelter uh, and was fleeing from a domestic violence um relationship and she was offered emergency shelter for the time being and I also want to say that economic deprivations very critical many clients come in who were financially unstable uh, I had another client mention to me how she needed three hundred dollars just to get her water turned back on and she couldn't even afford that and these are basic needs. Um, and lastly, many abusers have problems with drugs and alcohol. And using these types of substances along with the domestic abuse can quickly escalate situations and put people in further danger. about now the historical background of the legislative and policy timeline, there are two acts that the Family Justice Center supports. One is the Violence Against Women Act and the Victims of Crime Act. And as stated in the National to and Domestic Violence website, it says, um, the Violence Against Women's Act creates and supports comprehensive cost-effective responses to domestic violence, sexual assault, dating violence, and stalking. It also says that federal, tribal, state, and local responses enhance as a result of the program within the act. And talking about the um, Victims of Crime Act, it is also stated on the National Center on Domestic and Sexual Violence website that it created the victims of Crime Act Fund or VOCA Fund to be a protected and dedicated source of funding for crime victim programs. And these dollars within the act support the crime victim compensation programs and the victim assistance programs. Uh, significant events that are related to the Victims of Crime Act uh, are that the fund does not depend on taxpayer dollars, provides assistance to victims of all kinds of crime, and supports victim assistance for those involved in the federal criminal justice system, including Survivors of Terrorist Act, and this act was really big on positively influencing the victims' lives. Uh, And also, I found through my research that the Violence Against Women Act that was passed pertains to the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, an acknowledgement of the seriousness of the violations having to do with stalking, sexual assault, and domestic violence. Uh, It says that in 2000, the benefits were expanded, Um, stated on the Legal Momentum website the bill was a turning point, marking the first comprehensive federal legislation, legislative package designed to end violence against women, and it was also a triumph for women's groups that lobbied hard to persuade Congress to legislate federal protections for women on the grounds that states were failing in their efforts to address the violence. Um, it provided financial support in regards to victim services. Also, Joe Biden initiated the legislation after he sent a proposal to Congress concerning the violence that women were experiencing. One of the biggest impacts of the Violence Against Women Act is that it has improved education and training for people in different health professions and law enforcement and different types of services for victims of domestic violence. it was initially designed to help victims of domestic violence, but the certain updates in 2000-2005 expanded in helping victims in sexual assault and stalking, and the Violence Against Women Act requires a coordinated community response and that unites people of various environments in exchange to exchange knowledge and utilize expertise um revamp the responses. Also wanted to mention that the Victims of Crime Act also recommended federal legislation to fund state victim compensation programs and local victim assistance programs. Uh, I found out that in 1984, the act established the Crime Victims Fund made up of federal criminal fines, penalties, uh, forfeitures, and special assessments as the resource for the two programs. And it also made suggestions for workers in the criminal justice field. Um, and the act suggested another task force regarding family violence. Peter Rodino, who is Democratic chairman of the judiciary, introduced the bill. And this bill depended on block grants and became a dilemma from the Victims of Crime Act. This act was stalled in Congress due to the opposition between liberals and conservatives. The Conservatives kind of viewed the view, kind of viewed the bill as, um, as an expensive handout from the government, and they didn't agree with the liberals' logic of how it could create government assistance for the lower socioeconomic class uh also this movement became apparent in the 60s following civil awareness which uh, led the way for its growth in the 70s and all of these amazing leaders who were involved in the movement and the social factors are a result of the strength So the two main policies that we have at the Family Justice Center, I would say, are obtaining a 50B or a 50C protective order and dealing with victims' rights regarding certain offenses, such as simple assault or assault on a female. A protective order is basically a court order that's put into place where the defendant, the defendant is the person who the order is against. Is ordered to not threaten or harass the plaintiff and the plaintiff is the person who filed for the order in any way the order is valid for up to six months or a year just depending on what the judge decides um the differences between a 50b and a 50c is a 50b is issued when one is related in terms of a family member or a spouse whereas a 50 50- c is issued where there's no relation to the person at all so that could be for instance a friend Uh, and another difference is a 50b is stronger than a 50c meaning that if the defendant violates a 50b they could be arrested immediately and with a 50c it could just take some time and the person filing for a 50b needs specific evidence to address in court whether that be certain pictures or specific text messages from incidents, uh, just for the judge to be able to grant it. And they, the judges obviously do not always grant them, so it's a stressful experience for um, the victims. Also, many victims of domestic violence come to our agency and explain that their abuser has had either a simple assault or assault on a female or assault with a deadly weapon charge. These different types of assaults are considered misdemeanors. Simple assault is considered the most. Minor assault, just simply someone pushing someone in an argument. Um, The assault on the female is definitely more common, which involves verbal arguments between people and dating relationships that turn physical and finally an assault with a deadly weapon is a serious felony where an abuser might put a gun up to the victim and we do our best every day by enforcing these certain social policies to meet the needs of our victims and every victim that comes in deserves to have the best quality of life possible um so we do our best to support them in any way. For the marginalized populations, um, we are a very accepting community. We offer services to anyone, regardless of race, sexual orientation, ethnicity, like Angel discussed. Um, The staff are very, very genuine people who go above and beyond for their clientele uh so the marginalized communities consist of lgbtq um poc and disabled fjc has on the reception forms asking to check if they're under these categories um regardless though we would still serve them um and a domestic violence one-on-one training i had for my internship we discussed marginalized communities and how these certain groups were oppressed. Cultural competency was a very important topic that we discussed and that outsiders of the community have to empathize with the vulnerable populations and respect their differences so the wide array of populations can work effectively. Um, Also, I found in an article that clients from historically marginalized communities, example, racial and ethnic minorities, immigrants, and economically disadvantaged communities are less likely to access or receive needed services due to a lack of culturally appropriate provision. Um, With that being said, we've made it our top priority to equally assist clients who are from these populations and really reflect on cultural humility applying the marginalized communities to some of our core values of human services um human difference and inclusion is a huge one that um affirms human diversity in all of its forms including but not limited to age gender sexual orientation social class race race ethnicity disability status recognizes that individuals and groups experience status and privilege and or discrimination and oppression based on their social locations with these categories um that is very present with our victims like i said we accept everyone also another one is social justice this is a condition in which everyone has equal access to the full benefits of society in which all people have the opportunity to participate fully in the economic social and cultural life of the country so this is also huge in our agency um, we provide equal opportunities to the victims we uh, whatever they need in regards to financial needs Um, anything, we're there to help them, and we don't discriminate against them. So now to kind of go into a conclusion of the research findings um, for the social problems. So as mentioned before, The social problems are homelessness, economic deprivation, and alcohol slash drug abuse. Um, For homelessness, we provide shelter to victims who need it, either emergency and long-term. But we can only assist victims who have experienced domestic violence. So if they just come in and they are just homeless and they haven't experienced some type of, of abuse, then we would refer them to allied churches. Alamance County, for instance, economic deprivation, a lot of clients we serve uh, are lower income, so they would need assistance at a lower cost, so uh, we would refer them to legal aid if they needed an attorney, um, free or reduced price. Most of our clients who seek assistance are between the ages of 24 and 59, and we keep track of this data using Excel sheets. Uh, Just as a little side note, alcohol and drug abuse is the third social problem. So when doing an intake with clients, we ask whether or not the abuser has problems with drugs or alcohol. That just kind of gives us a better idea of um, what to look for, and so, again, like I've stated, we address these issues and, the, and their interactions and interventions through the empowerment model, and self-determination um, is in the empowerment model, which is one of the Core va- human service core values and the, the empowerment model explains that individuals have self-determination and that they make their own decisions in regard to their case. Episode number four, Personal Reflection. Okay, so going into a little overview of the activities I was a part of. So, during my time as an intern, I observed intake interviews with clients for a couple months. I observed the client services coordinator and really got a look into what she did. And I got so comfortable with her role that I actually got to complete my own intakes with clients, which was such an awesome experience. I learned a lot, for sure. Um, I also partook in partner meetings and staff meetings. I did many virtual trainings. I did a domestic violence 101 training that was uh, seven hours over the two days, so it was a 14-hour training. I did a legal aid training with an attorney. I did a training on confidentiality and domestic violence awareness. I also went to civil court every Monday, which was a really great experience. I got to shadow the court navigator at our agency and get a look into what she does, but I also was on my own some, and I greeted the victims and I asked if they needed anything I asked their name um and I looked on the docket and I checked if they were present or not but I also in court I got to um go down the line and listen to the hearings and for instance if um a case got granted then I would just write granted on the sheet um but it was just a really eye-opening experience because I've never really gotten to go to court I also went to criminal court once which was a really interesting experience I um shadowed the victim liaison of the agency who I've mentioned Angel she is kind of she works with the sheriff's office but she's also kind of like the social worker. So she's kind of like an in-between. She works a lot with, um, victims too. And I assisted clients at the front desk, um, kind of shadowed, I shadowed the intake specialist and then I did what he did. So I would greet the victims. I would answer phone calls. I would help them if they needed assistance, filling out the reception form. Uh, I also, in my downtime, I assisted with entering data and I um, helped out with the quarterly grant report. And I expressed ideas and the redecorating of the, FD- of the FJC to make the agency more trauma informed. Um, so that's what, I, that's what I was explaining earlier on, um, how we renovated our entire agency to um, fit the needs of the clients. did prefer one role over the other. So I would say my favorite role would have to be doing my own intake interviews with clients. Uh that was that was so incredible for me just because I was a really important figure and like I was the first person that victims um would talk to when they're um, going into their whole situation, so I'd be like, hi, um, I normally just sit down with clients for, like, like, hi, my name's Maggie, um, do you have any questions about the confidentiality form that you signed, and they'd say, like, yes or no, and I would answer any questions, and then I would go into my mandated reporting of child abuse if they had a minor child in their care, but I would just go over and be like, I normally sit down with clients for about 10 to 15 minutes and, um, figure out their most basic needs. And I know you don't have to tell me a lot, like that can be really hard and draining, but if you can just tell me your most pressing needs and that can, um, I can refer you to the best person in the building for you to speak to and they would go into their whole story and it's it's really, it's really important to make sure that they feel comfortable. So I would, um, you know, ask if they needed water or they needed a snack and just be really bubbly, just be really happy. And, um, and I would be that support system too, if they ever got emotional and explaining their story, which, um, and it was also interesting because I had different types of clients so I would have those clients where you kind of feel the room you know like I had clients where I would laugh with them and it would be an enjoyable experience but I would also have the clients that they would cry to me and I would give them tissues and just be that um support to them but it was just a really cool opportunity um because they just, this was just huge for them to come in and open up to me, and I, it's, it's important for me, and it's crucial to be able to refer them to the right person for them to speak to, um, in the building, and also, um, I had to make sure I wrote down good notes, and I asked good clarifying questions, and, The notes shouldn't be too detailed. They should just be, like, getting the main points. And, um, but again, it was just really, really a great, great opportunity. I learned that each role was key in the overall success of the FJC we had Sky, who's the director, who's obviously in charge of the whole organization. Hanero, who's the intake specialist, he's the warm welcome and greeter to potential clients coming in. He walks them through reception forms, through filing for 50Bs. Um, he gives a basic understanding. The advocates get into it more. But. He answers any phone calls at the front desk. um, We have Olivia, who's the client services coordinator. Her role is to assess clients during intake interviews and discuss with them their most pressing needs as to why they're there. So after she gets an understanding, she can refer him or her to the right person in the building for them to speak to. Then we have Sherry who's the Alamance County Sheriff's Office um, Assistant. She has access to all of the criminal history, such as the arrest records and addresses, which is important to have. Then we have Kim, who is the Department of Social Services Eligibility Specialist. She's important because she has access to food stamps and Medicaid and other assistance. So with her, low-income clients are able to put food on the table and have access to health insurance, and she supports clients financially who are getting out of their violent situation. And then we have Angel, like I said, who she is the victim liaison for the sheriff's office. She provides information on the victim's rights, accompanies victims to court hearings, links them to community resources, helps them understand the criminal justice process and assists them with filing for victim compensation. She provides tons of support to law enforcement or agency. And then we have Christy, who's the elder justice project coordinator. She mainly assists with the abuse and later life program project by planning and scheduling trainings, ensuring compliance with program requirements and she serves as the central point of contact for all project activities and assists with activities related to establishing a coordinated community response and then finally bonita she's the elder abuse services coordinator so she works closely with fjc partners in order to help older victims of intimate partner violence and elder abuse access and she us- utilizes the kind of the full range of services available at our agency and in the community as well. Yes, the Family Justice Center did use some knowledge that we discussed in class. I'm gonna first start off by talking um, about the Code of Ethics. So I'll just mention a couple standards. Standard one is human service professionals recognize and build on client and community strengths. The Family Justice Center strives every day to support the clients and develop strengths awareness. Um, This helps one know and accept oneself and the unique qualities within. And every time someone comes in to seek service, The Client Service Coordinator acknowledges how proud she is of them for building up the courage to come in and speak to us and find the help they need and deserve. Also, Standard 3, Human Service Professionals protect the client's right to privacy and confidentiality except when confidentiality would cause serious harm to the client or others when agency guidelines state otherwise. Or under stated circumstances. Each time a client comes in for service, they have to fill out a basic reception form, a COVID questionnaire, and a confidentiality form. And the confidentiality form states the Family Justice Center will keep all information shared to them confidential. And they the clients experience a lot of comfort knowing that whatever they feel comfortable sharing will not be disclosed and also talking about cultural humility within our organization that we mentioned in class as well cultural humility includes aspiring to developing partnerships with people and groups who advocate for others and our agency has multiple partnerships with agencies that we refer to clients, that we refer clients to when needed. Um, Professionals in the Family Justice Center have a commitment to self-evaluation. We are never done learning and always have to be humble and flexible. Also, lastly, when I interview clients, I know that the client is the expert on his or her own life symptoms and their strengths. I, I have certain knowledge that the client doesn't, and also the client has an understanding outside of the scope of me, of what I know, but we both must collaborate and learn from each other for the best outcomes. Our agency does an excellent job with efforts to meet the marginalized community members' social needs. We have a racial equity training every year, which is awesome. I did a marginalized communities training early on in my internship that was super informative. But before each client is potentially, or before we potentially have a client, they have to fill out on the reception form, whether they identify as LGBTQ, they have a disability, they're homeless, homeless, that just, we need that crucial information to, um, because we put all of the information in on an Excel sheet for our data, and that's used when we do reports, um, so that's why we need that, but we treat everyone the same regardless of economic status, sexual orientation, or gender identity. I think recommendations I have to addressing the social problem faced by the marginalized groups is just simply to be an ally. you know, the best way is just to educate myself on the privileges my own group enjoys to better understand their perspectives of members of marginalized communities. Also, educating my own community is important, and I think early education programs would be beneficial for success. understanding of my personal privilege and power has changed tremendously after completing this internship because before I did not know the extent of domestic violence for instance like who it affects most the warning signs to look for within a domestic violence relationship the types of violence people experience the effects on mental health There's just so much that goes into it. And I felt kind of in my little privileged bubble. I was kind of out of the loop, you know. Like, I was, I am so lucky to be getting this great Elon education, but I wasn't ever exposed to these types of serious issues. So it was very eye opening for me to experience, and I'm really glad I had the opportunity to intern here. One of the challenges I had when working at the agency was doing intakes independently, and that relates to the micro level, which is working with individuals it was my first time ever having clients working in a professional environment Um, I had observed Olivia for months and I really knew what to do but it was just that very first one I had done independently that was a huge boost of confidence but it was definitely the hardest and throughout my time Sometimes I didn't ask enough clarifying questions when I was in with intakes with clients. Um, I would come back. I came back from one intake and Olivia was looking at my notes and she said, well, Maggie is the client in fear for their safety. And I was like, honestly, I didn't ask them that. And she was like, well, you should probably go back and ask them that. And I'm like, okay. So I went back and I asked them and I just clarified some things and we cleared that up and also I had another client where I wrote down on my notes put in a headlock but I didn't clarify if she meant she put someone in a headlock our client or if the abuser put our client in the headlock and that is a a huge difference we needed to know because we can't serve offenders in the building so I went back and I asked more clarifying questions but that was definitely uh, my most difficult challenge and that also relates to active listening you know we we need to help clients feel understood and um, talking and listening to convey empathy for my client's problems or situation so I mean obviously most of the time I did that but there was just times where I needed to clarify a few things and also another challenge was answering the phone because I didn't really have a lot of experience prior with answering phones and my most difficult experience was when people would call me and they would ask certain questions that I wouldn't know and I had to put them on hold that was hard for me because I didn't I'm kind of the first voice that they talk to when speaking to the agency and I didn't want them to think I was unknowing um so that was definitely difficult <laughs> So the work I engage in this semester did connect to all um, seven core human service principles. So the first one, viewing the world through a systems perspective. We engage in a systems approach to evaluate domestic violence intervention. Number two, valuing human difference and inclusion. Like I've said, we serve anyone regardless of gender, sexual orientation, social class, race, ethnicity, disability status, and one of the things we do is use inclusive language, for instance talking about the LGBTQ community while providing our services which can help them feel more comfortable receiving services. Number three is pursuing social justice, we know that we are still fighting for social justice in the world and we are promoting the well-being of survivors of domestic violence. Our understanding of the underlying principles of well-being continues to be informed by an ongoing research and the increasing recognition of its effectiveness in human services, public policy, and also social justice work. Number four, working with people utilizing a strengths-based approach. We focus on the strengths and protective factors that are present with domestic violence survivors, even when there is an addiction and mental health issues. Uh, When domestic violence survivors do experience mental health problems or turn to substance abuse, it's often as a result of domestic violence victimization. And also, survivors of domestic violence often Develop low, a low self image and poor levels of self determination, which influences their overall physical, social, and mental well being. Number five, utilizing practices that are evidence based. There are evidence based practices in domestic violence services, such as the Domestic Violence Evidence Project, the Domestic Violence Prevention Initiative, and evidence based interventions. Number six, valuing and ensuring self-determination. So as I've said, self-determination is important for our clients because we want them to have the power in making their own decisions. We are there just to provide the resources, but we don't make decisions for them in regards to, example, for example, filing for a 50B if that's what they're interested in. And finally, the ongoing pursuit of self-awareness. Almost every day when I go into work, I would evaluate my own biases to help me better myself when working with clients.